Good morning. morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. Keith wanted me to tell you all that it is warmer in the the front of the sanctuary. So if any of you want to make your way, that's okay. We're glad that you're here with us today and that you've decided to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I have a few announcements this morning. The flowers that are placed in our sanctuary are in honor of the marriage of Tripp and Lizzie Hastings. They were married yesterday uh, yesterday evening, January 13th, and so we want to congratulate Tripp and Lizzie and their whole family on this joyous occasion. Tonight at 5 p.m. in our Lighthouse Room, we will continue our spiritual growth emphasis on growing young. Uh, We had a great time last Sunday in discussion um, on the book Growing Young and how our church can begin to incorporate the younger generation. Uh, You are encouraged to come to that. We are glad that you are here today. We are glad that you have chosen to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist. May our hearts be prepared to worship our Lord this morning. Our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number three, Worthy of Worship, number three. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing. verses 5 through 9, and then down to 14 through 18. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I'm always praising you. My life is an example to many because you've been my strength and my protection. 
That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. And then down to 14. But I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you are just. You alone are just. O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. And that was from um, my life application study Bible. I invite the children to come forward for the steps. What do I have? A box. A box. What can we do with this box? Do what? Paint it. Do we ever do take off the lid and fill it full of stuff? What was the purpose of this box, do you think? What was in the box? Toys. Toys? Miss Heidi would tell you it was full of paper. That was the purpose of this box, and it's heavy when it comes. But you know, I've seen a little boy crawl in this box and make it look like a card. We can put toys in it. We can fill it full of stuff and put it on the box shelf as storage. But you know what? We're like a box. Do you ever think about that? We are. And who fills us full of stuff? God does. God fills us full. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. That's exactly right. God loves us and he treats us sort of like a box. He fills us full of things that he wants us to know. He th gives us a purpose. What's our purpose? To share with others. That's right. God fills us full. He fills us full of love, of hope. He tells us that he gives us a purpose. And I want to read a scripture to you. It's from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you, and I will give you hope for years. So that's why we're sort of like God's box. He's filling us full. He wants us always to know that he is there for us, and his purpose is to love and hope everyone. And that's why we, we can touch people and give them faith because they see us full of that love and hope. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this absolutely beautiful day. It is a gift to us from you. Lord, we thank you that we can be like boxes and that you fill us full of what you want us to do for you, our purpose, our faith, our hope, and most importantly, our love. You give it to us endlessly. It pours out of us always. Thank you, Lord, for filling us full and giving us your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning once again. And Ellen, thank you for your message this morning. And uh, don't let Aiden get that box. He's still 11 years old, and the boy loves boxes. There's something about boxes and children that just go hand in hand. Uh, but we are glad each of you are here. I know you've been welcome, but let me do that again. If you are here for the first time and I haven't met, or even if we have and we didn't get to talk a lot before church today, but I would love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, and I will be in the vestibule following our morning worship and would look forward to that opportunity uh, for us to talk for a few moments. Let me just say as well that as we enter into or uh, we've been entering into this very cold season uh, these last few weeks and looks like we are headed there again this week. And so should there need to be any changes with our services or activities,
activities here at the church. We will try to communicate through every possible means uh, during the winter days. And so I know on Wednesday of this week, as I look prior to the service, they are expecting some precipitation and so uh, some possibly winter mix or snow. And so should there need to be any changes on Wednesday evening, just please know that we'll use uh, Facebook and phone trees and, and every possible means to communicate that. And so just, just be mindful of that. Let me also mention that next Sunday will be a very different type of Sunday. Our men have been preparing now for several weeks uh, to lead in worship. We have several men that will be speaking uh, very briefly. And then uh, we also have several uh, musical uh, groups that we don't have every week with us that will be uh, participating next week as well. And so it'll be a, a, an exciting time to be together, a great time to worship. And so come and be prepared to, to worship with our men this next uh, Sunday morning as they lead worship. Also, uh, many of you have been hearing about Guatemala and there will be an opportunity next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock if you are interested in that possibility for you, August the 4th through the 11th of 2018. Uh, this would not be, if you come to the meeting, it would not be you're committing to go on the trip. I want you to come to the meeting and listen and let's talk and uh, explore opportunities. And uh, all ages, all genders, are invited to come and uh, we will talk more about that trip to Guatemala coming up later in 2018. Also, if you are on a committee, we are asking, we're doing something a little different this year. Uh, most years we meet for, uh, encourage committees to come on one Sunday afternoon, meet for 15 minutes, rotate, go to the next one to kind of get the chair established and get uh, contact information assigned and all of this. But this year we're doing something a little bit different. We're asking each committee to get together before the middle part of February. So you can do that at your own time. You won't be as rushed and then report back to the office uh, who the chair is and what's going on with your group as you begin 2018. So please be mindful of that. We have many prayer concerns this morning. Uh, a couple praises that I want to mention first. Uh, one, of course, we continue to rejoice with the Hastings family. Uh, we noticed their absence this morning. They have been very uh, busy this weekend and have been here most of the morning for Sunday school and other activities. But we rejoice with Tripp and Liz and their wedding yesterday. And, and if you missed it, Teresa Huggins and I actually shared a dance together. Um, but. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, it was an exciting time and we just rejoice with the family there as well. Also, we are just rejoicing with the Stroud family. Uh, uh, Jane Stroud was listed this week to go on, listed means to go on the transplant list. Uh, and so that could happen in the next seven to 10 days from my understanding. And so be in prayer for Jane. This is a very serious matter, uh, but we rejoice that she is healthy enough at this point to go on that list. And uh, we just wanna pray for her and the doctors, the team of doctors that will be working uh, with her over these next several days and weeks and months to come as well. Uh, as far as prayer concerns, let's uh, be in prayer for Lou Reese and her family. Lou, as many of you know, has spent some time this last week in Carolina Medical Center in Charlotte. And uh, this last yesterday, we found out that she will be coming back to Wendover Hospice uh, here in Shelby. And I can tell you more about that if you would like to know after the service, but please be in prayer for Lou and, and for her family at this time. This week, let's remember John Cannon, who goes for a heart cath on Tuesday. Let's also be, continue to remember Betty Bridges, who found out this week uh, that uh, she is going to begin receiving treatments for lymphoma. And so, Betty, we are praying for you, and you are, will remain in our thoughts and prayers. Also, Marie Webb uh, will be having surgery uh, on this Thursday, January the 18th, and we want to remember her. And uh, we have others that we are certainly mindful of this morning. You have some that are on your heart and mind this morning. It may be a physical illness. It may be something else that's going on in your family or just something that you're burdened about in our world today. And so let me pause for a moment of silence or just a, a brief time of silence. And I will lead our prayer and encourage you during that time to lift up those concerns that are on your heart and mind this morning. Let's pray together. God, it's good to be still and to know that you are God. As we reflect on that, Lord, we're reminded that we are man and that, Father, we are limited, both in our physical capacities and in our ability to solve problems that exist within families and communities and in our world. But, Father, we know that you are not distant from your creation, but, Father, Lord, you desire to walk with us and in us and work through us. And so, Father, help us this week to know how you would have us to be your hands and your feet and your voice. Father, we are heartbroken over these today who are going through physical illness. And, Father, we ask for your healing and your touch on their lives. We rejoice um, 
with the good news that many have experienced this week. But Father, we are also uh, carry heavy hearts towards these have discovered some new difficult news this week as well. We thank you for being our good shepherd and we thank you for walking with us, Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're going through the deepest, darkest valley. We thank you for being our God, our God that is full of compassion and mercy and grace. Father, we ask for your blessings on our service today. We pray, Lord, that you would be pleased, you would be honored and glorified in every word spoken, every song sung, every prayer prayed. Stir us. And Lord, when we leave today, may we say it's good to have been in your house. Teach us more about what it means to follow you and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We confess, Lord, that we often fall short of your will for our lives. But Father, give us that stronger desire and that stronger commitment to walk in your ways so that we may see the fruit in our own lives, in the life of our church, in the life of our community. Bless all those who are serving you overseas and here at home today. Father, on the mission field, we ask for your provision for each of them. Bless our tithes and offerings that are given each week and our special offerings that, are, that go to missions around the world. Bless those men and women who serve in uniform as well. We thank you for them and we ask for your protection on their lives. God, we commit this day to you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Our next hymn is Ancient Words. It can be found in your order of service or on the screens. The words can be found there. And when we um, begin using our new hymnal, we'll be able to find the words and the notes in the new hymnal. Ancient Words. If you would please stand and join me in singing. Father, we thank you for the day and all the blessings that you give us. Help us to be aware of those blessings and the, the bounty of them. Help us to be willing and even joyful to return part of those blessings to the furtherance of your kingdom. These blessings we ask in your name. Amen.
as a candle in every soul some bright and burning some dark and cold there is a spirit who brings a fire ignites the candle and makes his home so carry your candle run to the darkness seek out the hopeless confused and torn hold out your candle for all to see it take your candle and go light your Frustrated brother, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. See how your sister, she's been robbed and lied to, still holds a candle without a flame. So you to join me in standing as we read God's word uh, here. Uh, it's in Luke 14 verses 28 through 32. We will remain in the parables of Christ here over the next several weeks and in honor of these words of Christ, I would invite you to stand in honor uh, of this reading. Luke 14, the words of Jesus, verse 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? 
Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And I'll read verse 33. So then none of you, so then none of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his possessions. May God add his, his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Yeah. 
choir. Last week we began a new sermon series, The Stories Jesus Told, Lessons from the Parables. Jesus is the master storyteller. And last week we looked at the story of the unmerciful servant. And we looked at the lavish grace that this servant was extended. And we talked about the fact that in light of this lavish grace that he was extended, you and I have also been extended this lavish grace. And with that comes a responsibility for us, for you and I, and the commands of Jesus, not only in the parable we looked at, but in other scriptures, to extend forgiveness to others who have harmed us as well. One of the foundational core principles, if you will, of the Christian faith. It's easy for us to receive that forgiveness, but man, it's tough when we're asked to extend that forgiveness to others at times. But yet that is who we are. That's what God has called us to be about. But this morning we dive into another parable and another subject at the core of the Christian faith. One that we need to hear at the beginning of a new year. And that's the story, the message that Jesus just challenges his listeners to reflect on is what it really means and what the cost might be to follow him. The cost of discipleship. A disciple is a pupil, a learner, an apprentice. And uh, the ancient Greek philosophers had pupils who were to keep alive their, the teachings of the one in whom that they sat under and the one in whom that they walked with and the one in whom that they learned from. And the same was true with uh, the Hebraic system and the, 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 um, the Jews and one would sit under the rabbi and would learn from him. But what was different when Christ came into the world and with his teachings is not only do we, in a sense, transmit his teachings and uh, learn those and communicate those to others, but Jesus asked his disciples to bear witness. And there's a higher cost to be paid if we are to bear witness of the teachings. It's one thing to take knowledge and to transmit it, to, to, to take it in and to regurgitate it if you, and to, to put it back out there uh, for people to hear. But it's another thing to bear witness and to take what Christ, the radical message that Christ has and to live it out in our own lives and challenge others to do that as well. As a community, we are blessed to have a university in our in our town. Some of you have graduated from Garden-Webb. Some of you have audited classes from Garden-Webb. And when you audit a class, you don't have to do the work. Amen? You go in and you receive the information, but you do not have to even be there on test day. You're not, it's not counted against you. You don't have to do the long paper. I have audited a, uh, a class or two from Gardner-Webb and I've enjoyed that. And I'm now wishing in some of the classes I'm in that I was auditing that class, but I'm not. I'm, I'm needing to do the work that is asked of me. And so that, that's coming up here soon. But when we audit a class, again, we retain the information, but we do not have to do the work. They want the information again, but not the work. Unfortunately, the Christian church today is filled with many who want to audit Jesus. Many do this each week. They want and have obtained salvation, but they don't want to put the time into what it means to being a strong disciple of Christ. Because if we do, there's a cost involved. There's a cost involved when we have to stand up and say we are choosing a different way than the way many are choosing around us. And there's often a price that can be quite heavy at times to pay. Scripture gives us various passages, both through words of Jesus and through Paul's writings and also uh, John's as well, about what it means to be a disciple. And we can learn something from all of these descriptions. One that I want to highlight near the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, reads like this. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. As Christians, it's my desire and hopefully yours as well to be more Christ-like in our words, in our actions, in the way we live our lives. It should affect all of our life. It's not just something we do on Sundays or at other times with Christmas and Easter, but being a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ should affect everything about our lives. In today's parable of the tower and the parable of the warring kings, Jesus is asking you and I to reflect on what discipleship really means. He's asking us through the story of a builder and the story of king, have we, have you, have I counted the cost? 
As a part of what it means to be a disciple, I want to share with you some possible characteristics that we may place, that we often place, on what a disciple looks like, the characteristics of a disciple. You have a screen, I think five of these will pop up here in just a moment. But the first five I've listed are a careful student of the scriptures, somebody that knows the Bible and studies the Bible, zealous and active in their stand for God. That sounds like a a good disciple, doesn't it? Appetite for worship and prayer, a consistent worship attendance, practices scripture memorization. We've been talking about that. I've even encouraged you to do that with this passage in John about the fruit of the spirit, or excuse me, about bearing fruit, abiding in Christ. And the next five is um, not afraid of public prayer, active in the affairs of the local church, fast regularly. I'm not asking for hands on that one this morning, okay? Has a desire to stand against blasphemy and ungodliness. Has a firm grasp of basic foundational theological truths. These sound like characteristics of a true disciple, right? These are tough things. These aren't simple. These are, these are some tough things. Well, they are all characteristics of the Pharisees. That group that uh, often gets a hard time, but uh, a group that uh, were filled with, with good people that often did good things. But Jesus often had some hard words to say to the Pharisees. I mean, there are some good Pharisees. If we look through the scriptures, we can name those names and look at their, and there were some good things about their lives. But Jesus had some tough things to say to the Pharisees. He pronounced woes in both Luke and in Matthew. Part of those woes, Luke eleven thirty nine. he describes them as those men who outwardly are clean, but inside full of robbery and wickedness. That didn't look like 10 characteristics of people filled with robbery and wickedness, does it? Jesus also said in Matthew 23, all the things they say and do, do them, but do not do according to their deeds for they say things and do not do them. So if these 10 characteristics do not make a disciple, then what does? In today's parable, Jesus gives us a warning about this easy believism that marks much of what we know to be American Christianity. Churches today urging uh, to believe and accept Jesus, but make no demands on people's lives. I would profess or confess that these shallow ideas of what it means to follow Christ leaves many Christians in churches with enormous problems, understanding what it really means to be a follower of Christ and what this thing about Christianity is really all about. Unfortunately, when it comes to the outward appearance and the workings of church and religion, these are far easier. These are far easier than the true work of discipleship. It's easier to faithfully attend worship. It's easier to uh, sometimes even go to a committee meeting and, and come up with a plan and work the plan and to do the work of church than it is to follow in the paths of our Savior. Sometimes we begin to replace the work of church or the, the uh, functionality of church for what it means to be a disciple. And the two can be very different. We have many of you in the room that are just strong and growing in your faith and that are active in the work of the church, but there could be some who are active in the work of the church, but yet you're struggling. You're struggling. And maybe you've been struggling for some time about what it means to be a Christian and, and what should I be doing and what's my purpose and where do I fit in in the body of Christ and what does all this even mean? And you're, you're hungry and you're wanting to grow and you're wanting to learn more. Unfortunately, we have many in American churches who live with the idea of, I'll accept Christ, I'll go to church, I'll get involved, but allowing these teachings and ways of Christ to spiritually form my way of life, well, hold on just a little bit. Jesus asked more of us than these outer trappings of religion that we see in the Pharisees. How are you and I allowing Christ to spiritually form us into the person that he has called us to be? Let's go back to our text this morning. The two parables we have are a warning to all the disciples to calculate the cost of discipleship. They're intended to warn against a premature and an unaware acceptance of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Did you catch that in the words that we read? Most of us in this room have no idea some have experienced throughout our world of what it means, the cost of discipleship, to truly follow Christ. Many in other countries know far greater than you and I sitting here in this nice, comfortable, warm sanctuary today 
the great cost that is involved in following Christ. If someone in the Muslim faith or other faiths throughout our world come home and express a belief in Jesus Christ and that they are now a Christian, then they can be shunned from the ostracized from their family and asked to leave and never be seen again. We read testimonies of that in many of our uh, studies and materials that we use here at the church. And some of you um, have heard of these as well. But these two parables ask of us, one, who would build without analyzing if, she, if he or she had enough to finish? We have some things here at the church and we're beginning to have those conversations about things that, that need to happen. And that's one of the questions that we are beginning to ask is how we're going to take care of this. That's the next question, right? What king would go to battle without analyzing if he had enough resources to win? Just as foolish would be any thought of being a disciple without first assessing the impact on one's life. If I'm going to become a follower of Christ, then there needs to be some things that will change. There needs to be some things that will be different from one who is not following Christ. Discipleship at times changes allegiances. It changes those allegiances sometimes within family. It changes those allegiances, allegiances at work and within the community and within the world that we live. Some have suggested that today's parables function as a warning in two different directions. Let me explain what I mean. One must first sit down and reckon whether you can afford to follow Jesus because there is a cost involved in following Jesus. And the second, but also one must reckon whether he or she could afford not to follow Jesus. Following Christ and allowing yourself to be spiritually formed is one of the most difficult choices that one could ever make. We often make it very easy and in ways we should, but in ways sometimes we need to communicate often more of what it means to truly follow Christ and the cost that is involved. So if those 10 characteristics that we mentioned earlier don't always make up a true disciple, what does? I just want to offer three principles on discipleship. You could offer and add to these this morning, but these are just something, again, a place to start for us to think about. Number one is real life disciples own their own faith. It's firsthand. It's not secondhand. It's not what mom or dad believed. It's not what grandpa believed. It's not what others believe, but I now own my own faith. It's my faith. It's a discipleship and a commitment that is lived out in between the inspirational mountaintops. All of us in this room, or many of us in this room, know what it's like to, to live in those times where God is real in our lives and we've experienced God in dramatic ways. We've Maybe some of you have had the privilege to go to a camp or a mission trip or something to where you encountered God in a tremendous way. And it's, it's awesome. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's great. But at the same time, real life discipleship is lived out in between those inspirational moments. Real life disciples own their own faith. The second thing is real life discipleship means taking opportunities to flesh out our faith. Taking opportunities to flesh out our faith. That means we do it at home when it would be, when sometimes it's the most difficult thing to do to say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have did what I did. It's difficult at home when we have to make those hard choices financially. Real life discipleship happens or excuse me, we take opportunities to flesh out our faith, both in our homes, both in our place of employment, both in our community and within our world. It means we are active in faith, both through sharing with our lips and through sharing with our deeds as well. We help as needed in addition to our praying, our reading and our church activities. But we take those opportunities to flesh out our faith. And the last one, real life disciples have faith that impacts the head and the heart. Real life disciples have faith that impacts the head and the heart. Following Christ should make a difference in the way we think. Following Christ should make a difference in the way that we feel. Some of you are gifted in one of those areas or the other. Some of you have a incredible heart of compassion. Others of you have an incredible mind that's used for incredibly good things here in the church. But a disciple of Christ has that balance between um, uh, impacting the head and the heart. We are compelled to act both in ways where it would be a lot easier to sit back and do nothing. 
As Christ transforms our lives, he gives us a desire to grow and learn and a greater desire to serve and to love others. The life of discipleship is not a life of perfection. I'm grateful for the examples that we see with the disciples themselves in the New Testament. Shortly after I came to Boiling Springs a little over two years ago, we looked at these 12 men on Wednesday nights. We spent a, a Wednesday night looking at each man. It was a powerful time uh, as we did that. And one of the things that we were reminded of is God took ordinary men and used them to do extraordinary things. We would not be sitting here today were it not for, possibly for those disciples and their obedience to follow. Even they were disobedient at times with Christ and we see that. We see their flaws. We see their imperfections. But yet after Christ died or was resurrected and ascended to the Father, we see what the Holy Spirit began to do in these very ordinary individuals. A life of the disciple is not a perfect life. And so as you begin to count the cost for yourself and you may be thinking, well, I'm hearing what you're saying, Keith, but... I can't obtain that. Let me remind you that the disciples had a hard time as well following the commands and the instructions of our Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship is not a life of perfection. We see this in the many imperfect men and women in the scripture. And as a result of that, there is hope for you and for me. There is hope for you and for me. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you recently counted the cost of what following Christ looks like? Most of us in this room don't have a great understanding of the cost that many have to pay throughout our world for following Christ. This morning, are you willing to ask yourself a difficult question? What does it look like for me to count the cost? What does that look like in your home? What does that look like in your place of employment? What does it look like in this community to count the cost for following Christ? Will you pray with me? God, for those who have never made the decision to become a disciple of Christ, I pray that today would be the day that could change everything. For those who have made that decision and have simply been auditing Jesus, We've been taking in the things and learning things, but not doing the work of a disciple. We're not allowing Christ to be spiritually, not allowing our lives to be spiritually formed. Maybe we've neglected prayer. We've been neglected Bible reading and study and devotion and worship. Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, you know what is lacking in each of us. Father, you know where we've missed the mark. You know where we have taken the route of, of easy believism. And Father, we ask this morning that you would give us the strength to be that disciple, to be that disciple that counts the cost, that says no matter what, I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to stand for his ways. And we're going to share and teach others and, and demonstrate those ways to others. Lord, we're grateful for the men and women that you have given us as examples throughout Scripture and not only throughout Scripture, but in our world today. Maybe it's a family member. When we think of what a disciple of Christ looks like, we think of this family member. Maybe it's somebody here within our church, within the community, that we think of, Lord, our mind goes to this person when we think of what a disciple of Christ looks like. Help us to learn from these whom we studied in Scripture. Father, help us to, to do what Christ is asking of us with this parable of the builder, this parable of the warring kings, is to count the cost. And Father, when we do, the, the, the cost of not following you would be tremendous. And the cost of following you is what you ask of us, and that is a hard cost to follow. Stir our hearts this morning, Father, and Lord, lead us to walk in a closer relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the invitation is for you to come and to experience that forgiveness that I talked about earlier, that lavish grace that's been extended to each of us. To come and to follow Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Christ, but maybe these words have hit a little close to home this morning about what it means to truly be a disciple of Christ. 
I ask that you would allow the Spirit to work in your heart as we stand and sing together. If you desire church membership, I would love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. Number 276. And if you were glad you're in God's house today, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Great. It's good to see you. If you're here again for the first time, we'd love that opportunity to meet with you in the vestibule as you leave this morning.